What is up? Welcome back to the NL Central Whip Around podcast for week five of the Major League Baseball season, more specifically the NL Central season. Uh, we got some good baseball and we got a lot of bad baseball being played this week in the Central. And this time I am actually joined by my co-hosts, uh, Ryan and Ben. Uh, Ryan, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. I, I'm sorry that we had to let you go solo last week, but you did a great job, like always. So it's uh, it's good to be back with both of you, though, and I'm uh, I'm excited for the show. Yeah, how are you doing, Ben? I f- I feel pretty good about about the Reds past week, and I have not been able to say that a whole lot since we started this. I mean, uh, without being here last week, two weeks ago when we did this, the Reds were in the midst of what ended up becoming, I think, a six game losing streak. I think is what it peaked at. Um, but this week. Reds Reds weren't in, incredible, but they were, I think, decent. So uh, that's good enough for me in a, in a struggling season. Yeah, a hard-fought 500 against a good Padres team and a historically bad A's team. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's nice to have you guys back on the show. Um, we will get going here. Uh, we've got the Pirates in first place at 20 and 12. Uh, Brewers in second, 18, 13 Cubs, 15 and 16 dipping just below 500. The Reds at 13 and 18 and the Cardinals at 10 and 22. And before we get started, I am going to play a little clip from my roommate Luca about these cubbies um, that I sent you, Ryan, just before the show. Um, And we'll get your thoughts on it. Go. David Ross needs to be fired immediately. And get rid of Hosmer, too, while you're at it. He's a liability because Nervous Mervis is coming up. Are the Cubs good? No. Thank you. Did you guys hear that all right? <laughs> oh, man. We love Luca. Uh, should have had him on the show yesterday or last week now that I come to think of it. But, Ryan, what's your takes on that? Uh, first off, love Luca. Do the Cubs suck? I wouldn't say no. That one, I, that's from as, for as long as I've known Luca, he's never really been like he's a big Cubs fan, but he's always been like they suck. Ever since I've been to Mizzou with him, ever since I've known him, he's always like they suck. He's so like I with mean, every single sports team. Yeah. So by David Ross, I kind of agree. I think David Ross has made a lot of questionable decisions as a manager this year, even into last year. Um, I do think it is time for a new change, but. I don't think the Cubs suck, and if the Cubs can just find their bats again because they're just getting unlucky right now. They're just hitting a really cold spot on offense. And, um, you know, I'll talk to them about them more in the show, but I, the David Ross bet was actually not bad, and I kind of agree with him on that. Yeah, uh, we will definitely get to some more manager talk for some different teams around the division a little bit later. We can touch on David Ross, too. Uh, but jumping right in, the Brewers uh, went one out of three versus Detroit, two out of three versus the Angels, and then they got swept by the Rockies in cores. Uh, that's a tough look for them. They're on a four-game losing streak. Sorry, excuse me, four-game losing streak. Uh, Pirates took two out of three versus the Dodgers, two out of three versus Washington, but then got swept by the Rays. Uh, that's one thing that I pointed to last week in the show was what they can do against the Rays. I think that was going to be a big testing block for them. And getting swept was rough. Uh, Cups got Cups, Cubs got swept by Miami and took one out of four versus the Nationals. And the Reds took two out of three versus the A's, one out of three versus the Pirates. I know Ben and I were talking about this right before we hit record. Uh, that's a that's a great week. Uh, I called that out last time on the show. I said if they can go 500 this week, it'll be a great week for him. Uh, it's a tough, 
tough little week there. And then uh, Cardinals swept by Dodgers, swept by Angels, and we'll just move right on from that. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll get to that later. Uh, don't you worry. But we are going to talk about the Brewers. Go through some of the recap here. Um, so yeah, the Brewers on a four game losing streak, but, uh, I, I saw Yelich today went three for five with a home run. Um, the, the Brewers are still the team that we thought they were. Um, these pirates, they're starting to come back down to earth and the Brewers might overtake them here in this next week back in their rightful first place in the central, uh, that they've definitely been playing like so far. Uh, they're ninth in the league in ERA. 16th in OPS is about what I kind of figured um, they would be in OPS about average. So things are starting to come out even for the Brewers. This is kind of the team that they are. I normally wait until about the 50 game mark to uh, to determine like, OK, this is kind of what a team is. That's just kind of like in my mind, 50 games is a good marking post. But I think the Brewers have got there early. And I think this is the team the Brewers are five games over 500, 16th in OPS, ninth in ERA. They're probably a little bit better than that. But for the most part, they've got that going on. Rowdy Telez mashing nine homers. We love Big Rowdy. Uh, anytime we get Big Rowdy, Big Vogelbach, any of those big guys hitting big bombs, we love it. Um, and yeah, they just got swept in Denver. That's always a tough series. I would always talk about that. That messes you up. Going in, you're all worried. Coming out of it, you're all worried. Uh, playing in there, it, it just kind of affects not only the series itself, but the series after as well. So if they can bounce back from this series, I think they'll be fine. Um, that's kind of all I have to say on the Brewers. You guys have anything? I mean, I would just say I think they're becoming what we thought there were is, is a good way to put it. I mean, there's I don't think anything crazy. The only thing that maybe is different than what we thought they were is I feel like for the most part, we all kind of predicted this is maybe a wild card team and they may actually be a division winner solely because the rest of the division may just suck. I, I personally, um, I think the pirates will still exceed expectations, but I don't see them as division winner and the Cardinals are atrociously bad. So that may lead to the Brewers, despite being exactly as good as we thought they were going to be being enough to get a division win with like 88 wins. Who knows? Um, it's a, it's a Brewers team that I think is good enough to go into most ballparks and maybe steal a series win. But it's also, I think a Brewers team where if an opposing offense has a good three games, they could get swept and I wouldn't be too shocked. And I think that's what we saw in cores. They're going to go quiet for some games on offense, but they're also going to have pitching, keep them in series. And if they somehow line them up for three in a row with Peralta Burns and uh, Woodruff, they could very easily, I think win two or three, in a row and take a series where they win games like two to one or three to two. So um, it's the same old story. Craig Council is a good manager. He's going to keep them in games. Uh, a big bounce back candidate for me all offseason, Jesse Winker, has kind of been worse than I thought. I thought he was going to really regain his footing, maybe not as good as Cincinnati, but much better than in Seattle. And that just hasn't happened. He's being used in largely a platoon role. So there's no stars on this offense, but this is a team that's easily good enough to contend for a playoff spot. They could keep playing this five over 500 mark, I think for a pretty decent stretch of time. And uh, we're going to find them come September, potentially having a chance for some home playoff games. Yeah, no, uh, I know Adam, you said it today. I think Yelich might've had a home run or something, but look for Yelich to maybe get going here. Um, and the other thing, I guess just for my help would be if Brandon Woodruff could come back soon and help out my fantasy team, that would be nice. But as a Cubs fan, he doesn't, he doesn't have to come back. That's fine. But for a fantasy team, I really, really need him to come back. And honestly, I think Milwaukee does too. I mean, they're still doing good with Burns and uh, Peralta, but they definitely need that Woodruff man in their rotation. But yeah, that, that last series to them just, that was not good. I really thought that the Rocky series for them was going to go a lot well, uh, pretty well, but 
Then they got swept. So I don't know what happened in that series. Um, maybe they just weren't hitting or not, but usually the ball flies and cores, and I guess it just wasn't flying for the Brew Crew. Yeah, and uh, Ben, I just want to touch on the Craig Council thing. I, I think Craig Council might be the only good manager in the NL Central right now. Um, I can't. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the Pirates, Pirates manager, maybe he's getting him to do some fun things, but I don't know. That might just be more the culture that's already established there. I don't. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think yeah. that's a bad point on Council. I mean, you look at it yeah. throughout this division. He's the most experienced manager, David Ross. He has the yeah. postseason appearance in the COVID season, but. He's only been around for a couple of years and doesn't have a lot of success. Ali Marmol, I guess he does have postseason experience, but it's been for the most part underwhelming. Not good ones. <laughs> Council is at least <laughs> Council at least has gotten his team a win away from the World Series. And then you look at the other teams. Um, Pittsburgh is completely slipping my mind. He's only only been there for two years replacing Clint Hurdle, but I cannot yeah. get the name right now. Um obviously I think they're overperforming right now, and that could be a lot of credit to him. And then David Bell. Uh, made the playoffs in the COVID year, but not a lot of experience either. I think just a very average manager. So um, Craig Council, I, I've always been kind of um, praised him a little bit because I feel like he is a modern manager that is uh, kind of always had that team competitive. So I think that's a, that's a good mm -hmm. point. But yeah, Council um, will continue until a change is made or someone surprises will continue to lead this division in the managerial category. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's Derek Shelton is the manager there. Yeah, don't blame me for not knowing that one. Um, he's kind of new. But speaking of those pirates, uh, Ryan, you want to take us there? Yeah, I'll take you there. Um, so obviously the pirates. I know we, you talked about it here early in the show with them kind of scorching a little bit. You know, taking a decent amount from the Dodgers, two or three, and then sweeping that doubleheader versus Washington, and then losing in that uh, game three matchup and then just getting swept by the Rays. That's not a good look for the Pirates, you know. I really thought that they would at least maybe take one from the Rays, but they just got swept. And I think one game was 7-1, to one, one game was 8-2. to two. Like, they were not really putting up runs against the Rays. Now, given it is Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay is really on one right now. Uh, but for these Pirates team, they're eighth in hitting, 160 runs, and a team average of 255. Uh, they're also eighth in pitching with a 360 team ERA and 277 strikeouts. Um, obviously, you know, their scorching came to an halt when they found the Tampa Bay Rays. Sawinski and Andrew McCutcheon both have six homers apiece. Uh, Brian Reynolds, 23 RBIs. Obviously, Ben talked about him on two weeks ago with that big extension that they made. Uh, Carlos Santana had a three RBI week, though, in uh, Tampa Bay. So that's pretty cool to see. And their pitching has been solid, as we'll talk about that down the road, as one of their pitchers is the moment of the week for us this year. And one of the questions I had for both of you guys, is Pittsburgh contenders this year, or are they pretenders? No, 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 no. They are pretenders. I will, I will not allow us to overreact to a good month of April. And I think they're better than the first overall pick in the draft, bad type of season they had last year. And I think it's a very fair question you ask, Ryan, because no one in their right mind is saying on May 4th, the Pittsburgh Pirates will be leading even a bad NL Central. But I mean, they have some veteran pitchers for a month who have been overperforming. Vince Velasquez, Rich Hill, other names there. Um, and it's a lineup who is missing arguably one of their best talents in O'Neill Cruz and just is not incredibly deep yet because they're still in the early to mid stages of a rebuild. So can they play competitive 500 baseball? Yes, they can, but they are much closer to a 10 games under 500 team than a 10 game over 500 team. 
I, I expect by June they're back playing below 500 ball. And that's okay. I think you have to take the rebuild and baby steps. They didn't really completely blow this thing up until a couple of years ago. So they've still got picks and players coming. Um, and I think we see this every year with a team or two that has an explosive April. I feel like we've seen it in multiple years, a couple of years ago with the Rockies who would get off to fast starts oh, yeah. and then fade away. Maybe the Diamondbacks. There's always a team. And I think that's the Pirates right now and are just – they just are it's they're not a talented team just because they're not paying anyone yeah i mean it doesn't mean they're not fun but <laughs> yeah i'll i'll agree with you there ben it's i i know ryan's gonna come in here with a hot take like these are guys these guys are gonna win the pennant or something like that here in a second but I, I again i mentioned it a little bit earlier about the 50 game mark is is where you can kind of see what a team really is that's where things kind of even out and it's less based on schedule and and just hot months coming out and it's more what a team is and we're still about three weeks away from that mark and the pirates are starting to come down a little bit already um i agree with ben i think this team i I think this team could still be around 500 in about a month or so the end of may when we have played about 50 games and we can say all right this team is maybe a 75 80 win team and they're a lot better than we thought they would be a lot better i mean hell they might even sneak out a, a wild card spot if they like with 83 84 wins but I, I don't think this team is a real contender. I think this team, if we were doing uh, those crazy proposed playoff situations where the first seed gets to pick their opponent, I don't know if you guys have seen those articles, but the whole pick your opponent thing, I think every single team would be picking the Pirates if they snuck into a wild card spot. Yeah, that's kind of my hot take, Adam. I, I think that this team is kind of showing shades of 2015 where they did lose to my beloved Cubbies in the wild card, but like Ben said, you know, they're going to come back down to earth. So Pirates fans, yeah, get excited for what's going on now with your team, but just know it's a long season. And we all here uh, at <laughs> and our showdown, we all don't think that your team is going to be able to keep up to this pace the whole entire year. So uh, uh, I'm sorry from the whip around crew here, but or the rep around crew, but we just don't think that your Pirates are going to be able to keep up this uh, scorching hot ball playing that they have been doing. But I think look for them to take a little bit of a step back, especially after getting swept by a race team, um, you know, going into the next series. I just look for them to take a step back. But one thing that I'm I'm kind of hoping for Pirates fans and for the Pirates to do more is take the lead up into the later innings because you have a guy in David Bednar who has a .69 ERA right now, and it has nine saves on the season. Nice. Uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, great points there, Ryan. I, I, I still don't agree with you, though. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, we'll check back in. I mean, we'll be checking in every week with this team and we can have the same argument every week for the next however 20 weeks, however much longer the season is, um, which is the beautiful part about baseball that you can keep arguing to death for about eight months. Um, all right. Next, we have uh, the Cubs. Ryan, take us there. Yes, so, um, Luca, if you're watching this, I just want to let you know and let all the Cubs fans know, it's Hosmover. If you like Eric Hosmover, I'm sorry, but it's Hosmover because Matt Mervis, our number six prospect, is getting called up tomorrow. Actually, he's probably already called up and he's probably chilling in Chicago right now. Um, But, yeah, he will be making his debut tomorrow. I'm assuming he's not just going to get called up to ride the bench because he has a bat that, Hits balls very, very far, and he's definitely getting called up to help out this offense. And I'm expecting him to get a lot of uh, playing time at first base, but don't forget about Trey Mancini because he's – I think he's still a guy that David Ross and the Cubs still definitely want to keep around. But 
uh, Eric Hosmer is definitely one of the guys that's definitely going to be getting uh, a lot of reduced playing time. But Trey Mancini, look for him to be in the lineup still, maybe DH if um, Mervis is playing first base. Um, and I guess just talk about this week, you know, it's, I really thought I'd get to come on here and be like, how oh, we swept the nationals and we did all this, but no, the Cubs absolutely just couldn't get the bats going at all in Washington. And, uh, this road trip was not good to them. They lost five out of six games on the East coast by one run. Uh, and then they have a catcher situation right now with Jan Gelms being on the, uh, injured list for seven days should be back fairly soon. But right now, the catcher situation is, do you play Tucker Barnhart or Miguel Amaya? And to me, it's kind of just a, a, a coin toss because they're both – well, I can't say they're both gosh awful because we haven't really seen what Amaya can do. Amaya played today, and I think he went 0 for 3, but he had a sack fly. Um, I think there's a lot of talent in him, so maybe Ross will look to lean on him a little bit. But Barnhart obviously has the uh, veteran stance there, so maybe he'll get some playing time until Jan's better. Seiya Suzuki's looking a lot better at the plate. Uh, I know he was out for about maybe three to four weeks to start the season. Um, he's looking a lot better. Uh, obviously not as good as Masataka Yoshida, but, you know, it's fine. We don't we don't have to talk about that. You know, they just got the better Japanese player. It's fine. Um, and lastly, I think the Cubs still are in need of a late-inning reliever. Um, Brad Boxberger, Michael Fulmer just really haven't been getting it done. However, Brad Boxberger hasn't been bad uh, today. However, if you watch the game. If you're a Cubs fan, Javier Assad pitched five shutout innings. What does David Ross do? He doesn't put him in for another inning. Gives it to Brad Boxberger, one pitch, and Alex Call walks off the game. So, uh, bad manager, bad managerial decision there from David Ross. However, I can see how Assad was probably tired after throwing five innings. But some of these just manager moves have been horrible from David Ross. And uh, I know you guys wanted to talk about the managers in the NL Central and. David Ross is definitely not one of the better ones. I, I'm quite surprised that he's kind of still there. I know that the Cubs going into this year, you know, they said that the picture's a lot brighter this year. They wanted to be a contender. Um, but I think David Ross needs to go. And I'm not sure how soon it needs to be, but he's just made some really bad decisions that cost the Cubs. One game uh, under 500, though, 15 and 16 where the Cubs stand. And I'm, I'm happy that, you know, they only lost by one. It sucks that they did lose, but at least they're only losing by one and not losing by five or six runs. Yeah, I mean, for the Cubs this week, I think you have to be disappointed just because it's two opponents that I believe they felt like, or at least people on the Cubs felt like, um, we can take some advantage of this schedule. And at the very least, you out of the six, you go four and two and you have a winning winning road trip. Um I will say uh, it's not terribly surprising because I think you look at this offense and there are some really good top end hitters with Horner, you have Swanson, you have Hap, but the entire length of the lineup is not special and they were never going to keep out hitting these really good teams uh, like the Braves or, or around the league. They were up there in terms of statistics. Cubs were as one of the better lineups in the league. And once you get to the middle or bottom part of the lineup, they're just not, they don't belong in that category. Um, at least I don't think so. They are, they're, we're going to come back down to earth a little bit. And that's kind of what's happening um, with the type of lineup they have. I think it's going to continue to kind of flow up and down. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a ton of consistency, but they're going to have weeks or even multiple weeks where they're a top five offense in the national league. And then they're going to have uh, stretches like this where they're, they're one of the worst offense in the national league. If the top half of the lineup is not going, the rest of the lineup will struggle. I don't think it's a team you can count on to be an elite offense for 162 games. You'll get it closer 
to a hundred games with their great lineup. And then they'll be average for a lot of games. And then there'll be 30 or 40 where it's just downright bad when the top of the lineup is slumping. So I think that's going to be the, the part that hurts the Cubs, the inconsistency. So, uh, I think that you certainly could have worse weeks. If you're getting blown out in Washington, Miami, then sound the alarm. But it's, I think at the least keeping it close, you don't want to take moral victories, but now, um, a chance to kind of get right as you, you head back home and we'll, we'll see what they can do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but to be fair, this is the time of the year for moral victories. Um, this is the, the time of the year. I, I always say in hockey, just collect points, uh, whether you lose in overtime or you win it or you win a very ugly game. All you got to do is just collect points until the new year. That's kind of the thing here until like June, July kind of area. You just take a win here, take a win there, win a series, uh, maybe you take one on the road, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you just try to be a good ball club. If you're in the Cubs situation, uh, don't try to put too much pressure this team can really excel if it's doing something a lot like the pirates are kind of doing right now and just going out there and saying, Hey, we don't really have much of a shot, but we got some, we got a nice little crew of guys. Let's just go have some fun and play some ball. And it's very clear in the way they're playing baseball. And I think the Cubs would benefit a lot by just keeping that mojo going and not getting uh, too down and distraught in these, in these losing streaks that they are kind of bound to go through with a team like this. And I think with, I know you guys are pooping on Hosmer a little bit, but, if there's a guy that knows anything about losing streaks and winning streaks and how to stay consistent emotionally through those, it's Eric Hosmer. He's had some troubles in San Diego. He's had some awesome times in, in Kansas City, and he's one of the leaders in that clubhouse that can really help him. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's kind of all that needs to be said about the, the Cubs here. And the part that I've been dreading uh, for the whole episode, uh, it's time to talk Cardinals. Um for those of you listening, uh, normally our week outlines just say NL Central Whip Around Week 5. Um, it's just a very basic title, but this week Ryan made the outline and the title says Cardinals Really Suck Episode 5. So uh, we will now, going forward, be a podcast called uh, CRSE. Uh, <laughs> Cardinals Really Suck Episode Number and then the number. Um, no, but seriously, this team is uh, 10 and 22. And yes, it's April. Yes, this team is incredibly unlucky. Yes, this team, I mean, all the excuses in the world, but at some point you just got to win games. Um, this is the first time that the Cardinals have ever been last place in the NL Central. I Yes, ever. Uh, this division was started in 1994. Cardinals have not been last place in a division since 1988. Um, I, I don't know... I don't know if that's really impressive or really sad right now, <laughs> um, but I, I've never seen a team like this in my life. Um, it'd be an easier pill to swallow if this team was supposed to be okay and not great, but I genuinely think that with the talent on this roster, this team could go out and win a pennant. I don't think that they're favorites to do it, but with the talent, I think it could happen. Um. All right, I'm going to bring up some statistics. I don't want this to sound like this team is... I, I don't want to sound like I'm making any excuses because there are real problems with this team, probably in the clubhouse with the way that Oliver Marmol has kind of been handling situations. But there's there's real problems. But I did just want to bring up a couple statistics, not excusing anything. Um, but the Cardinals are hitting the ball really hard. They are third in the league in exit velocity across the board. Uh, that's behind the Braves and the Rays and then the Cardinals and then the Yankees are right below them. 
Um, if there if there is ever a sabermetric statistic that signifies how good a team is hitting, it's that hard hit percentage. It's that exit average exit velo and being third in the league at over 90 miles an hour is crazy. Now, I just wanted to jump to the other side of the ball, the exit average exit velocity against um, Cardinals pitchers are 29th in the league, averaging 90.3. The exact same exit velocity that they hit is the exact same exit velocity that they are letting up. And that's not a way to win ball games. <laughs> it's just not. And I know it's April. I know there's I, my 50 game mark that I keep going back to. That is that's the first real marking post in a season. But oh my gosh, this April has sucked. I will stop talking. You guys tell me everything that my team is doing wrong. I mean, when you when you went to the stat of the exit, average exit velocity against, I got real nervous because I figured it would be bad. And it was just about as bad as I expected. Um, I, I will say that is not what I'm trying to think of how I, I want to word this because there's nothing really to be positive about when you're in last place and you're so many games under 500 and it's arguably one of your worst starts to a season ever. But eventually you would hope that as it gets into summer and as the ball starts traveling and it warms up that those hard hit balls either fly out of here or find gaps. I guess if you want to look at something positive, that would be it. And you knew the pitching was going to be a problem. You didn't know it was going to be this bad of a problem, but um, I think we want to talk managers again. Ali Marmol has certainly backed himself into a corner. I mean, I understand. I, I want to be sympathetic because especially when you look at a game like last night against Angels, I understand the mo the more modern idea of use your closer in the biggest moments rather than just the ninth. I mean, we've seen that over the past couple of years, more teams starting to do that now. I think it really started when a couple of years ago before he was just a ninth inning guy, we saw Craig Council turn to Josh Hader in the seventh if he needed to preserve the game and get out of a jam in the seventh. And I think that has grown a little bit. Um, I know watching the Reds, David Bell has gone to the Alexis Diaz, his closer in the eighth multiple times this year. If in the eighth inning, one, two, three are due up rather than save him for the ninth and face the worst part. So like I bring this up because that's exactly what Ali Marmol did last night, turning to Ryan Helsley, his all-star closure in the seventh, and then he gets burned because he doesn't have him for the ninth and Giovanni Gallegos blows the game. So I think decisions like that are, can only hurt Marmol's case. And I understand he is more of a modern analytical guy and the numbers probably say, Hey, we can nail, nail this thing down right here if we save it. But uh, decision-making like that, that ended up losing you a game, uh, with the lofty expectations that that organization has and the history of the winning and the being at the top of the division every year. I, it's it's a fan base that is not going to sit around for below average baseball play. I know you are not Adam and I know plenty of friends that not only don't, don't like him, the manager, they don't like him as the person because he has been, I, from an outsider's perspective, I think rather rude towards the media. Um, I think he has snapped off a couple like very standoffish type of comments. So I don't, that's, I'm just, I'm just happy that David Bell doesn't upset me. That's, he may not be a great manager, but he has never said something where I was like, okay, that was just a, that was just a mean thing to say. He didn't have to fire that one off. I would, I would put that in other terms, but I don't want to do anything that would get us in trouble with Spotify. But let's just say I wouldn't, would not be someone that would find myself particularly rooting for Ali Marmol based on, based on some of the things I've heard and read from him. No, Ben, I think you hit the hammer on the head there because <clears throat> I truly think that the Cardinals clubhouse was lost after, uh, excuse me, after Marmol really just completely just tore down 
uh, Tyler O'Neill in that third base situation. And then you're exactly right. Some of the answers that he has in his press conferences are just like, dude, what are you talking about? Um, but, you know, other than that, I think I'm just going to say something that I think every – I'm not a Cardinal fan, but every single Cardinal fan has told me, and I think Adam can agree with this, hey, hey, ho, ho, Ali Marmo has got to go. I believe every Cardinal fan believes when I say that because he's been atrocious. He's made some horrible calls from the a managerial sp- uh, spot. And I honestly think that this team is really just missing – a Yachty or Molina type guy. I think Yachty for the past couple of years has always kept the clubhouse okay. And I know a hundred percent, and I will say hundred percent, this stuff would not be these shenanigans, I'll say it, will not be happening if Yachty was in that man was in that clubhouse right now. And uh lastly for you and Ben, you can even answer this too. Who says no to this? Because I know the Cardinals need pitching. Dylan Carlson for Mike Soroka and Dylan Dodd. I think that would really help out the Cardinals. I mean, you're taking with what uh, a once was ace from the Braves and Dylan Carlson, a guy that was once supposed to be a top prospect and he's still decent, but I, I wouldn't say no to that. I mean, you're getting really, you're getting pitchers and that's what the Cardinals need. And both of them are starting pitchers at that too. Oh, first of all, I'll, I'll say this regarding your question, Adam. I think if the Cardinals were to receive a trade offer like that, I would smash the yes. And without even thinking twice, because despite the injuries, you know, the young promise that Soroka showed. And I think Dodd is a future member of the Braves rotation. So I like the idea there, but I, I truly think if that were to happen, I think the Braves would be getting fleeced. I like Dylan Carlson, but he's arguably the third or fourth most talented roster on a, on the Cardinals. So if you're trading a guy that maybe is not like your most well-known player for two really potentially good pitchers, like um, that's just what my my issue with that is. I think the Cardinals would be fleecing the Braves. I don't see the Braves doing something like that. Um, but I just want to say one last thing because I thought about this with my Marmol comments. I'm not saying that the manager has to sit there and, and, and sunshine, sunshine and rainbows and be all happy all the time. I'm just saying I don't want my manager to be at that far end of the spectrum as Marmol is. So I want to make that clear. I don't want, I don't, I'm not saying you need a manager that's going to be all positive. It's 2023 pat on the back. Go you. It's okay to strike out. I don't, I'm not saying I want that. I'm just saying I don't want Ollie Marmol's negativity all the time. And some of the stuff he said. So I wanted, I wanted to add on to that as well. Yeah. And uh, Ryan, I also would 100% take that trade, but there's just watching these ball games. Dylan Carlson is, one of the only players that doesn't have any quit in him on this team. This guy takes the extra base down eight. I, I, I just, I on a team that's this bad. I don't like giving away a guy who's trying to leg out a double down eight runs in the eighth inning. And even though you're getting very, very sufficient talent in return, I think that the, the unspoken, talent that you're giving up there might not be worth it especially on a team like this that right now just is playing kind of defeated um but man we spent a while on the cardinals um i love it i hate it i have about an hour and a half more things to say on the cardinals so we'll get that hey, before, in the coming week oh you leave yeah go ahead the cardinals you just have to mention this i can't believe you haven't adam rainwright's making his debut on saturday and i i know a lot yeah. has been going on with the cardinals <laughs> but that's gonna that's that's something they'll be looking forward to yeah, um, I, I'm looking forward to it. He's gotten rocked in his 
in his rehab starts though. So I'm, I I'm cautiously optimistic about that. Um, I hope that he can kind of overcome some things. Uh, but moving on, we will real quickly get to the moment of the week. Um, actually, you know, what? I'll just take this one. Uh, Colin Holderman gets an immaculate inning for the pirates. First one of the season. They always say it. They're just as, Oh, Oh, we skipped the reds. Oh my gosh. I am so sorry, Ben. I was I, I was gonna say I know I know we didn't have the best week of all time we went we went five hundred oh but I think I think what kind of got us off guard is we talked about them very briefly with the five hundred thing off the start yeah yeah so all right uh, go ahead take but, the take the Reds I apologize I don't I don't have I don't have as much to say about the the Reds just because I mean it's business as usual I will say I'm happy it's a team in Cincinnati that historically struggles out West. Like despite whoever the opponent is, it could be worst team in the league. And for whatever reason, whenever the Reds go out West, they cannot play ball. And there's, there's numbers of them over the past decade to get decades of how bad they've been on the West. There's numbers to back that up. I don't have, but uh, um, like it's, it has been, it has been rough as they have moved on to the West coast. So I'm glad to see them go 500. I know the, it's the athletics, but um, to go in and take care of business and win two out of three. And in the third game, you really had a chance to get the sweep. You don't get it, but to win two out of three um, and then against San Diego, who they have been really bad against the last couple of years before this week, they didn't have a win in San Diego since 2019. You get a win there with Graham Ascraft pitching um, in your four and five starters are, who are really not piece of the future starting the other two. So you're kind of just punting those games. Um, I couldn't be happier with a three and three road trip. They're still kind of, I mean, it's after April, they're only four or five games under 500, despite playing a really tough schedule. I mean, you look for Cincinnati through the first month, they've already played San Diego in San Diego. They played the Rangers who were in first place. They played the Rays who are just destroying everyone. The, the Reds have faced some pretty decent teams so far this season and uh, kind of be hanging with them. And I haven't even mentioned they play the Phillies already two different series and they play the Braves. So um, I'm happy with that. The farm system results recently have been incredible, whether it's McLean, Encarnacion, Strand, Ellie De La Cruz. So there's a very clear, I think, future for this team. And uh, it's, I think, I think really as you can be, you're about a ha- as happy as you can be for a fourth place team a month into the season. I'm, I'm excited for, for the, some of the graduating infield prospects that are going to be up here later this season. I think one thing, Ben, uh, that really kind of makes uh, you and I happy is how bad this NL Central has been. I think that really helps us out. I mean, my team has 15 wins. Your team has 13. If it wasn't for a Pirates team who scorched at the beginning and it's the Cardinals obviously just being abysmal, I mean, I think that this division would be a lot, you know, just kind of tougher. But the Reds and the Cubs and even Milwaukee are just kind of lucky to be in this division right now because all these teams are playing very bad. However, the Reds, though, like you said, very good week for them I'd be happy too I'd take that Ashcraft has looked really good and I mean there's just a lot of guys on that team I think that are just kind of starting to find their own um and I would be very happy with the week they had and just kind of like devil's advocate here uh as a Cubs fan and obviously how I felt last year and the following year when they were just really bad you just you're just happy if your team at least takes a series or maybe even ties the series splits the series that as a Cubs fan the last two years, I was always happy if my team just split a series because that always made me happy. And I, I don't think that's the way Cincinnati fans should feel. But at this point in time for the team that they're putting out on the field, a split would make me very happy. 
yeah, uh, this Reds team, I, I know we skipped them, but I, I honestly am kind of rooting for them uh, to do good here. Uh, like I said last week, uh, a big week for them this week, and they did exactly what I said they kind of had to do to stay relevant in this uh, in the uh, in the league. Um, alrighty. So like I like we were getting to uh, earlier, uh, the Colin Holderman immaculate inning for the Pirates. I am a giant fan of immaculate innings. They are so much fun to watch. <laughs> um. Yeah, they're they're like just as much fun as the cycle to me. I don't know about you guys. That's a big statement, but I I don't know. There's something so beautiful about going out there and just shutting down the side no matter what. Um, you guys have anything to say about this uh, fun little if, moment? If you want to see an immaculate inning, just watch me play MLB The Show because I swing at everything, and I've probably gotten thrown an immaculate inning more than I can count. Yeah, I mean, for for the Pirates in a game you end up losing and it's the finishing game of a sweep, I think something fun to take away. And the, it continues to be a part of a great back end of the bullpen for Pittsburgh. You already mentioned Bednar, but Holderman, last name perfectly fits the name of a guy who's going to get the hold, be in that eighth inning kind of role, and get you to your closer. So um, the pitching has been the reason why the Pirates have got to that point. And like I was, we've already mentioned, we don't see the Pirates – really continuing this pace but if you get to the seventh inning and you're losing against Pittsburgh it could start to be one of those situations where you really start to panic a little bit because they just aren't going to blow things a whole lot at the back end of games and they've got some real arms there to hold it down and especially for Holderman to do this against a historically good offense to start the season I mean it's very impressive yeah 100 percent all right, and for our player of the week, we have Nick Senzel. Ben, we can talk about your Reds a little bit more. I know we kind of skipped them, but yeah, give us some it's, love on Nick Senzel. Certainly did not think in the year 2023 that this would be a player and award that we would be talking about. And um, I correct me if I'm wrong, is this this maybe is this been the first time that a player in the NL Central has won a player of the week award this season? It feels like we have not gotten the chance to talk about that. Maybe Arenado uh, at Brian Reynolds. I believe yes. Brian Reynolds won at week one. Okay. Yeah. But still. And we gave it to weeks. Brian Reynolds week one, I think. At the very yes. least, we gave it some consideration. So second time we've been able to do this. And Senzel, a future or not future past number two overall pick, had high expectations and has dealt with injuries, slumps, everything you can name through his first couple of years. But he's getting a shot this year to play in multiple positions and multiple kind of roles. And he's taken advantage of it. And then to kind of completely turn the start of his season around with a week where he goes 10 for 21, that's a 476 batting average. And you also lead the NL in batting average RBIs and runs scored. I think that's a pretty incredible week for Nick, a guy who has not shown off a ton of power. And then he goes out and hits three home runs in five games, including a walk-off against the Rangers to clinch a sweep. So really good for Nick. I've, as a close kind of follower of the Reds, I've seen and heard about a lot of the off the field issues that he's kind of dealt with emotionally as well. So to see at least a mini breakthrough is, is good because if you kind of know more about him, it's a very feel good story, at least to have this type of week is, is some of the pressure that he has dealt with as a high overall pick. And that's not to say that uh, not other players don't deserve it for the pressure of being high overall picks, but Nick is a guy that really you feel for because he's, it's been kind of one of those instances where he just can't stay on the field and feel stay healthy. So you feel bad for him because it's not really anything he's doing. It's just, he's, he's had some bad injury luck. So you hope this continues as a Reds fan, because at least for me, you're looking at the future of this franchise with the guys in AAA and some of the young guys already up. Nick Senzel really not in that conversation. And for a minor league system that is lacking outfielders, if Senzel were to become something, that only accelerates this rebuild and gives you even more hope for what this team can become. The Reds, I think, still have a couple more years of him through arbitration. So they're going to give him a shot as long as he can stay healthy. And 
I just hope this continues. You don't want to make too much of one week, but even after winning the award the other night, um, I think it was Tuesday where he was had three or four hits with a home run. He had another hit and a couple smoked balls yesterday. So hope this continues for Senzel and you see the reason why he was, I mean, number two overall pick and the Reds for years in a row with first round picks, Senzel, India, Green, Lodolo. I mean, Senzel was highly more talented than all of them. And you hope that that kind of starts to show up this year. He stays on the field and that would be a huge, huge pickup for the Reds. Yeah, absolutely wild. The last two weeks, players of the weeks on this show has been Jan Gomes and Nick Senzel in the year of our Lord, 2023. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, we're actually going to let uh, Ryan take the lead on the quick schedule watching here at the end of the show, because as a Cardinal fan, I legally am obligated to go cry myself to sleep. So uh, we will let Ryan take the lead on this last part. <laughs> One of the reasons I wanted to take the lead is uh, you'll see here in a second, but Milwaukee, they tackle a tough West Coast swing. Uh, they got three at uh, the Giants and then three at home versus the Dodgers. Uh, the Pirates, they got a six-game homestand, and that's kind of just the the main topic here with the Scouts. There's a lot of teams having six-game homestands. Uh, Pirates got three versus Toronto and three versus Colorado. Um, and this is why I wanted to do the schedule here, because with my Cubs and with Ben's Reds and Adams Cardinals. I want you guys to tell me how many games you think you guys are going to win next week. So with the Cubs, the six-game homestand, we got our revenge series on Miami, and we get a really, really bad struggling Cards team. Uh, they're both at home, and I think the Cubs have played pretty dang good at home. So against Miami, I'm actually going to say we only take one of three. I, for some reason, Miami always beats us. I don't know what it is. And against the Cardinals, I really want to be that guy and say we're going to sweep you guys, but I don't think we are. I think we take two out of three. Um, and then for Ben's Reds, six-game homestand. You got a good Sox team, and then you got a really bad deflated Mets team. Uh, three versus the Sox and three versus Mets. So, Ben, how many uh, games do you see your, your Reds teams winning next week? I think at home where the Reds have been a, a pretty competitive baseball team. If you look at their home schedule, outside of really the two games, they got absolutely smacked against the Rays. I mean, they've hung in there for the most part when they played at GABP. I think the only other game I can think of where it really was not close was a f finale against Philly. But they play decent at home. I really want to say four and two, but I think that's doing a little too much. I think three and three is a very safe answer here. The White Sox, despite them taking two out of three from the Twins, um, are just a really bad baseball team. And they're going to face some pitchers with ERAs north of seven and Lance Lynn and Kopech this weekend. And in that series, the Reds are going to face two or throw two of their best starters in Green and Lodola. So I think the Reds, this is a series where they can take two out of three against the Sox. And then the Mets, who are struggling right now, I know Scherger is going to pitch one of those games in Cincinnati, but um, I think it's a Reds team that is good enough to not get swept against a talented New York team. So they take one out of three. And I think three and three is a very reasonable answer. And I wouldn't be shocked if they go four and two. I mean, the Reds aren't a great team, but they're good enough against not incredible opponents to, to win four out of six, but I'll say three and three for the week. And uh, last, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. And I last but not end. least, Adam, I really hope as a baseball fan, you don't say oh and six as a Cubs fan. I hope you do say oh and six. But you stay home under the arch for three, then off to Wrigley. Uh, three versus the Tigers. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about this Tigers team having the easiest schedule, I guess, for the remainder of the year or something. I know at the beginning they had to play a lot of tough teams. Um, and they just swept the Mets. Uh, and obviously I can't be like, oh, my gosh, it's the Mets. But I don't think this is a Tigers club that should at least take two from the Cardinals. The way the Cardinals are playing, maybe – but I think that the Cardinals should win this series. But then three at Wrigley, so I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. 
You know, okay, so I'll start with the Tigers. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to be optimistic two out of three versus the Tigers. Um, At some point, the talent's just got to overwhelm, doesn't it? I mean, this is a team that has some of the worst talent in the league versus the team that has one of the better rosters in the league. If you're just looking at the roster itself and not how they've performed thus far this year. Uh, So the talent's got to overwhelm at some point. I'm going to say two out of three versus the Tigers Um, at Wrigley. Anything can happen. I I, I will say this again and again and again and again. If it's cards versus Cubs, especially at Wrigley, either team could get a sweep, regardless of the winning streak that they're on. The Cubs could come into this series winning 20 in a row. Cardinals could come in losing 20 in a row. And I have no idea what could happen. That's that's what makes cards Cubs so much fun is that you can get a sweep either way if the other team is so bad. It doesn't matter. It's just so much rivalry. Yeah, no, it's definitely fun. Um, I said two out of three, but you do make a very good point. And especially if the wind's blowing out, there's no telling what's going to happen. Uh, I'm just excited to see what Matt Mervis can do in this home stand, I guess, for him, because I'm assuming he'll play all in all six games. I mean, I like to think that at least. Um, so I still am very optimistic on the series, too. But I think the Cubs do take two out of three. I think they're playing better ball than the Cardinals are. And the only reason I say that is because the teams, the teams that the Cubs have played lately – um, but also I've got to mention th- throughout this show, but Cody Bellinger has looked really dang good for this Cubs club. And a lot of, of my friends I've been talking to are saying that they think Bellinger is going to stay a Cub the whole year. And I thought he was going to get traded at the deadline, but I do believe that he actually will stay a Cub the whole year. Um, but I'm excited because Cubs cards is always exciting. The one thing, and I really hope anyone from MLB is watching that I hate the most is that it's blacked out where I live. So I can't watch that game. I have to listen to the radio, which is fine because uh, I work in the radio anyways. But I'd love to watch the game. So hope MLB just take out that blackout restriction thing. It'd be, it'd be so much better for all of us. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I know we ran a little bit long tonight, but we got a lot of stuff to talk about. This is one heck of a week um, for the NL Central in honestly not very good ways for any team. <laughs> I think the Reds are the only team above 500 in the last 10 games. Um, But thank you guys for listening. Uh, We'll catch you guys next week. We'll talk more cards, Cubs, Reds, Brewers, Pirates. Uh, See you next time.